1: a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless.
2: Authorities believe he is also tied to three other Ohio homicides. Jerry Ricciuti, WKBN 27 First News. I'm assuming that there are other jurisdictions who are now actually looking uh, to determine if he might be a suspect in any of their cases because of the fact that he was a truck driver and he was mobile. The Mahoney County Coroner's Office determined the cause of death is a homicide, and sent
3: items to the Bureau of Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation.
2: Prosecutors say a
0: BCI analyst started taking a new look at unmatched DNA samples in 2017, including some sent in by local investigators to see where
2: they would lead. Based upon her analysis and her findings, Samuel Legg III was identified as a possible match. All I can say is that based upon that, those interviews that were conducted last week, Evidence was presented to the grand jury.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media Podcast. On this week's episode, I will be covering a case that occurred just a short drive from where I broadcast and one that remains unsolved to this day. I am talking about 14 year old Angela Hicks and the circumstances surrounding her disappearance in the summer of 1990, as well as her connection to Samuel Legg III. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, I went into a bit of detail about the arrest of Samuel Legg and how he may have a connection to Angela Hicks. This case is an example of how you may not always know who you're sharing a house with. So I'm going to give you the nuts and bolts of Angela's disappearance and her connection to Samuel Legg. Now, Angela was last seen on July twenty first, 1990. It was the following day when Nancy Legg, Angela's mother, notified police that her daughter was missing. Unfortunately, police didn't take the initial report as anything other than a runaway. Weeks went by without any sign of Angela, and police were finally beginning to think this may be a missing person's. But, even as a search was ramping up, police shut it down, claiming Angela was just a runaway. Again, this all came to a climax on August 30th, when two Mormon missionaries discovered Angela's naked body. Angela was part skeleton and part mummy at this point, and unfortunately she was naked and lying in the fetal position. There were several pieces of clothing of hers that were also located nearby. And this is also when Samuel Legg becomes a person of interest. So at this point, Nancy Legg admits to police her daughter and Sam didn't have a good relationship. Even though he was their prime suspect at the time, police didn't have any evidence to connect him to the scene. So why are we talking about this case this week? Well, quite honestly, if Samuel Legg III is the serial killer nicknamed Dr. No then Angela Hicks was most likely his first victim. After I give you a rundown of the case, I am going to play you an interview that I did earlier in the week with Angie's best friend, Nikki. Now, she runs a Facebook page all about keeping Angela's spirit alive and letting her killer know that people still want to see this case resolved. The audio has been better, but... I had to try something new to get the interview. Nikki really knows the most about Angie, and it would be a disservice not to hear from her in this episode. So let's go back to Illyria on that Saturday, July 1990. It was a Saturday when Angela went missing. The weather was somewhat of a cool 70-ish for late July. And again, there were also periods of rain throughout the day. The city of Illyria itself is a true melting pot of a community, at least it was in 1990, with a lot of German, Irish, and English calling it home. And the city is about a 30-minute drive from downtown Cleveland and a mere 20 minutes from Bay Village. Put a pin in that one. In 1990, the city's population sat close to 60000 and the median household income was $26,000 per year, and 12% of the population sat under the poverty line. On the evening of July 21st, Angela had been with her 21-year-old stepfather, Samuel Legg, when she was last seen. Legg told police that she left the apartment in black shorts, but Angela's mother later found those shorts in a drawer. As I mentioned in the timeline, it was five weeks later on August 30th when her body was discovered near Midway Mall. Now, some evidence at the scene suggested that Angela was possibly killed inside her family's apartment and carried to the woods in a duffel bag. And newspapers reported at the time, Leg was one of the last people to see Hicks alive. Prior to her death. And according to an article from September of 1990 in the Chronicle Telegram, about a week after her daughter's body was identified, Angela's mom told the paper her daughter had written in her diary about her desire to kill her stepfather. Her mother said the writing came after a family argument earlier in that year. She goes on to say that she and her husband, Sam, were having a fight when Angela did what any girl would do and tried to intervene. Now, this led to Sam slapping Angela in the face. Red flag. You'd think her mother would have thought this to be something of great evidence, but she mistakenly never gave it to police and instead threw it out. She told the paper she disliked what she wrote and wanted her daughter to change her ways when she returned. I mentioned earlier the serial killer nicknamed Dr. No. Some people believe this to be Samuel Legg III. The name was given to a suspected American serial killer who may be responsible for nine murders of women and girls in Ohio between 1981 and 2004. And his victims were mostly sex workers working in par- parking lots and truck stops located along the interstates. And again, there are suspicions that he's committed other crimes in New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania between 1986 and 1988. Now, police at the time of Angela's disappearance said they looked at a number of suspects, including Leg. In one newspaper report, retired Illyria police captain William Cameron said he knew who was to blame for Angela's death, but he couldn't prove it. In his mind, that was Leg. Now, one of the saddest aspects of her disappearance is her biological father, Paul Hicks, who divorced from Angela's mother when she was about three, and he was stationed with the U.S. Army across the Atlantic in Germany. The helplessness, he must have felt, is unimaginable. He told the Medina Gazette in 2019, quote, Angie had stayed with me the summer in 89, I took her crappy fishing. We rolled all summer on my motorcycle. We spent the whole summer on the back of that bike. We went everywhere. Now again, the prime suspect, Samuel Legg, came into Angela's life when he met her mother, Nancy, in Elyria. And according to various reports, it was soon after the wedding when Legg and his new wife, basically, the relationship already started to go south. There was a significant age gap, so I'm sure there were maturity issues. And he was also a pathological liar, so not a real good mix. And again, Nancy was 28 and Sam was 21, so needless to say, there was a disparity between maturity levels. And again, you know, the first time Sam was arrested was about a year before and you went missing. And, you know, you think about what happens between 1989 when he gets arrested for petty theft and then becomes the prime suspect in the disappearance of his stepdaughter. Uh, that's quite a drastic uh, leap in crimes. So, you know, it's not hard to imagine that he is the guy responsible. And it was during the investigation that Legg had told police that the girl was very dramatic and most likely ran away from home. But, you know, Nancy and their friends questioned his claims. And again, this was all harder to believe since Angela didn't take any of her shoes or clothes with her. So the idea that she ran away is kind of asinine, to be honest. And... To think that the police didn't believe that she was a missing child opposed to a runaway seems to be a huge mistake by the police. But, again, that was 30 years ago, 31 years ago, and I'm not going to blame them for or their lack of action, but it is one of those things that you really kind of look at and say, okay, you have this guy who's 21 With a 14-year-old stepdaughter and his wife's 28, lots of red flags come up with just that scenario. So let's jump into my conversation with Nikki Myers. And we start off our conversation talking about Sam, and then we evolve into talking about Angie and the type of person she was and who she thinks is responsible for Angela's death. So, again, please listen to this interview. It's really informative. Nikki was Angela's best friend, and she really knows her the best. So, please take a listen and enjoy.
2: Well, the thing about it is, Sam, like, you know, I've known him since I was... 14 years old and he was even when he was young he would always lie and get himself out of trouble he's a very manipulative guy like I mean I'm sure like these psychiatrists don't know this guy Mm -hmm. but he has always gotten away with stuff that he's done because he is just so manipulative and people believe him and it's like this guy is he is not crazy but he knows he knows what he did, and he like you don't do what he did and cover it up and get away with it that long, and be just crazy to the point where you need to be in an insane asylum. You know what I mean? The fact is his age
3: is what kind of throws me off i mean if he was you know older, like say you know in his seventies or something like that, okay, maybe you could get away with it, but it seems like he's just gaming the system at the moment. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's exact. That's exactly what he what he does. That's, you know, he knows the alternative. He knows, you know what I mean?
3: How long were they married before Angie actually went missing?
2: Um, It was a year, around a year. Yeah.
3: Did she ever mention anything to you about, you know, him being creepy or?
2: Well, you know, they never really got along very well because they were close in age.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. he was
2: 21, Angie was 14, but Nancy was a young mother too.
3: And that's clear, you know, she, looking at the age demographic, I mean, she was 28, so clearly she had An- she had Angela when she was 14 or, you know, yes. around yeah. there. So, I mean, yes, it's. I can't imagine how tough it is to raise a child being a child yourself you know as they always say. yeah and
2: you know so, it it had always only been her and her mother like you know what i mean she wasn't there was never anybody really else you know in the picture right. that her and angie were like best friends you know what i mean it was just always them and there comes this guy and he's young and he's trying to act like he's a father figure and he's only 21 years old and she's just like you know what a joke you know what i mean
3: sure so, so he was So he was trying to be authoritative, and she was just like, no, this is not... not Right, exactly. Did you pick up on anything from him as far as, like, I mean, did you suspect him as somebody that was the guy?
2: I just thought that he was odd because he was 21 years old, and he just, I don't know. He smoked cigarettes, but he didn't, like, that I knew of, he was just, like, he just lied about all kinds of stuff, like, stuff that didn't even matter. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, that's one thing. And I it was read, just
2: and, weird to me. I'm just like, why is this guy just always lying about stuff? Like, yeah, the path was. I, I don't of know.
3: Was one of the things that I kept seeing in the research that I was doing, and and yes. that's just that's very much of a, you know, it's a red flag, a, clearly a red flag. And then again, that just goes along with what you were saying at the beginning about him, just being like a professional liar. I mean, he he's right he's making the system he's playing the system
2: yeah and i mean he's not a stupid guy he's a smart i mean he's smart <laughs> he really is it's almost like laugh- laughable just because like like i said like i don't know if the psychiatrist or whoever are you know what their qualifications are or if they know his whole history of you know everything he's done he's always avoided you know getting getting out of you know everything
3: how long were you and Angela friends
2: um since we were 5 years old we grew up living next door to each other playing barbie dolls oh my.
3: yeah I, grew, I had a best friend that i grew up across the street from man for 20 years and that's uh that's a relationship you just don't you don't find every day it's different it's like having a, a yeah. sibling
2: right because i didn't have a sister and she did, she was the only child so it was like
3: You guys got to be able to bond, grow up and experience the same things together. That's, that must've been cool. And that's, I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why you're doing all the stuff with Facebook
2: and. I mean, I know like she would have, she would have done the same for me. Like she would not have just like, just let people forget about me and she, she just wouldn't have, you know what I mean? She just, I just know that she would have done whatever she could do the same way. So.
3: What was it like when when she went missing? I mean, obviously a horrible time of your life.
2: I mean, originally like when she went missing, her uh what had happened is I had spent that whole summer with her at her apartment okay. with her mom and Sam. It was time for me to go back home because school was gonna be starting. And Angie and her mom dropped me off well, Sam was working at Safeway Driving School and okay. he must have like stole some tools or something from work. So they said If he didn't bring the tools back and return them, then they were going to call the police. So me, Angie, and Nancy went to Safeway to return the the tools that Sam had taken. Well, in the meantime of doing that, my parents came to the apartment to pick me up. And Sam was there, and Sam told my parents that he didn't know where I was at. So he lied to my parents. I don't know if he just didn't want them to know that he had, you know what I mean, what we what we were doing, taking tools back. But he told them he didn't know where I was at. Like, there was no reason for that. So we come back to the apartment, and Sam says, well, your parents came, and Nancy said, well, you know, what did you tell them? And he goes, well, I told them I didn't know where she was at. And Angie got really upset. She's like, why would you do that? Why would you tell them, like, you don't know where she's at? You know, Nikki's parents are strict. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, Hmm. And then, um, so, I was upset because I'm like, my parents aren't going to believe, like, why would an adult lie about something like that? So, Nancy, me and Angie, Nancy took me home that day. And me and Angie were both upset, you know, about what I, what had went on. Then, uh, when we got to my house, my parents weren't home. Then I was more upset because I'm like, oh, Nancy's not going to be able to talk to them and explain it to them. They're not going to believe me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so I was worried about that. So, you know, they dropped me off, and that was the last time that I seen Angie. So the next day, a girl down the street was having a graduation party, and Angie was supposed to come over to my house for that, and we were going to go to the graduation party. Well, I hadn't heard from her, but I had went down to help Tracy set up for her graduation party. <clears throat> and I figured, you know, Angie would either call the house or she would, you know, just come over and get dropped off. Sure. But so Angie never showed up. She never came or whatever. And I just thought, well, she probably got grounded because her and Sam probably got into argument about him laying on me to my parents. That was my thought. And I want to say, I don't know if it was later on that evening or the next morning. Now, I can't remember exactly because, you know, it has been almost 31 years. Mm-hmm. But either that, that evening or the next morning her mom had called and asked me if I had seen Angie and I said no. She was supposed to come over here for this graduation party and she never showed up. So that's when everything started to, you know, unfold as far as like where she was at and, you know, what had happened. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered
3: here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
3: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor, Best Fiends. Let me tell you about Best Fiends. It's this great puzzle game you play right on your mobile phone. As a true crime podcaster, I spend a lot of time researching pretty dark subjects, and sometimes I need a pick-me-up. So that's when I turn to Best Fiends. Since I obviously enjoy solving puzzles, Best Fiends offers me a new challenge every day. And I must say, it's a casual game that doesn't stress me out. And during these times, this is something we all need. One of the best parts about Best Fiends is whenever I open the game, there's always something new going on. Whether it's a new challenge, fun monthly event, or just new levels. I just passed level 3500, and that's pretty clear that anyone can play this game. Moving through all these puzzle levels is a mindful experience that I find relaxes me. And collecting all those different characters is another reason I turn to Best Fiends for a break. If you're tired of the same old puzzle games, this game is for you. Best Fiends is way more than your average mobile puzzle game. The makers of Best Fiends have literally created a whole world right on my phone. The music is awesome, it's bright, and it's colorful, and it has great graphics. I have a favorite character. His name's Temper. He may be small, but he is mighty, and he's really helped me through this journey. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this game. So, join me and millions of people who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, we're back.
3: Now, I read that she was first thought to have been a runaway. Did you think that?
2: Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. And that's the big thing is. That summer, or that that year, Angie had moved across town to Rosewood Apartments. She had made some friends okay. during school that year, and they were acquaintances, people that she knew, but it wasn't people mm. she really knew. So a lot of these kids were saying, oh, i seen her, oh, this and this and that. So the police were taking it as, oh, she just ran away. And I'm like, no, you don't understand, because... Me and her always made a pact. If we ever run away, we're coming to get each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember doing I know. That. I know that. Yep. Right. I knew, like, she would not have done that and not have got a hold of me. Like, I knew it. And I'm like, no, you know, that's not true. There's no way. And then Nancy had asked me to come over to the apartment because I had been there the whole summer. We sh- shared each other's clothes to see if I seen anything that was missing or whatever. And, you know, as soon as I went in the apartment and, you know, I checked her bedroom, I knew that like she, there's no way there was no way. Nothing was gone. Like I literally went through her drawers, went through everything, like looking to see like what shoes were there, what, what was gone and all her shoes were there. And I, as soon as I knew all her shoes were there, I knew she didn't leave that apartment. Because it was summertime, Rosewood, where she lived at, the the parking lot was blacktop. So there's no way in the heat is she work at walking out the door in blacktop with no shoes on. So I knew right then when all her stuff was there. And she always would do her hair and do her makeup before she left. And I'm like, if she's running away, she's taking her makeup and her hair stuff. She's not going anywhere without her hair done or her curling iron. Believe that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I knew like right away, like, like she didn't run away. And, you know, I, I told the police that, that, you know, she didn't run away. There's no way.
3: So how long do you think it took the police to start treating it like a missing, missing person in this case?
2: Well, I think they started treating it like a missing person's case when they found her body.
3: Geez, so they didn't even have search parties or anything for for her?
2: They they did have a search party set up. I think it was called the April Foundation. Okay. But there was a big old thing about that, that the, they were trying to say that these people were trying to extort money from the community because, you know, they had the Red Cross there and there were searchers out searching. And they had searched one part of Valyria. They had searched one side of town that Angie lived on, and they were getting ready to search the other side of town, and the police shut them down. They said, she's not missing, she's a runaway, and they shut them down. Wow. And, yeah, and then I don't know how many more weeks, maybe two weeks or something like that, then they found, found her body on the other side of town.
3: I'm assuming that was the worst day of your life.
2: I woke up and I was just like, it was like daylight and I knew it was a school day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my mom came in my room and she, and I was like, what time is it? And she says, well, honey, I didn't wake you up for school this morning. Yeah. I want to talk to you. And she sat, you know, sat on my bed and just told me, she's like, well, I just wanted you to know, I didn't want you to find out at school, you know, they, they found a body over by the Midway mall. And she's like, they're not sure if it's Angie or not, but I didn't want you to find out in school. So
3: I'm sorry. Terrible. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of how I found out, you know, but like I said, and then, then it came out in the newspaper, you know, that the police were like ninety nine point percent sure that it wasn't her. Because these were bones of Indian descent, and Angie's mom said, well, you better check the dental records because Angie is part Cherokee Indian. And oh, it ended up being her. This
3: just sounds like so, dropping the ball every chance they got.
2: You know, back then, I don't think they were probably really equipped with, you know, the technology and stuff that they had. But, you know, as far as keeping your story out there and stuff like that, I do blame them for some of that because I feel like, it kind of was like a big black mark, you know, that that happened, and they kind of wanted to sweep it under the rug because that didn't happen around there. You know what I mean? Like Girls don't get
3: kidnapped and murdered in most suburbs. Just just right. Just, just be honest. And I can understand yeah. a, a city wanting to, to move it away from that, but I also feel like there needs to be some sense of we're also moving towards justice. Because if that's not reached, then how is the city ever really going to heal?
2: Yeah. And, you know, it was, like I said, it was pretty, uh, because you had kids that she went to school with on the west side of Valeria and the north side where she ended up, her, you know, that one, part of that one school year. So it was a mix of, you know, kids our age from both sides of town. And it was just like, you know, if my parents weren't strict before, they were really strict after then, you know.
3: Ugh. I can't even imagine what, what your life must, must have been like after that.
2: Oh yes. I still, believe me, I still am. Like.
3: You carried it on. I'm sure. I'm sure that's something that oh, you yeah. will forever, forever live with. And I'm sure having kids of your own is also another driving force of keeping this out there because <laughs> if it's just something that you would want somebody to do for you or it's just seems yeah. to be the right thing. You know, you've been featured in a few, few articles and, and stuff like that. And you just seem to be the voice of Angela at this point in time.
2: I've tried to, because I know for her mom, you know, she was a young mother and she blames herself so much,
3: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: she just blames herself that she let this guy into their life and she trusted him. And you know what I mean? And I understand that. Like that's never going to go away. And it's just like at times she's, she's able to, you know, at times I feel bad for bringing it up because, you know, she had come to a place where she's able to function. You know, she's never been in a relationship since she's been alone, you know, to like keep rehashing it for her. I know at times it's hard. Not that. I think she had just kind of settled, like they're never going to be able to prove it. They're never going to be able to like, I have to accept that. And like, I, 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 you know what I mean? Like I couldn't.
3: Yeah. So So then you must've been, I was like, shook when the news came out that Sam was arrested for all these other crimes. Been just a couple weeks or a couple mo- like a, maybe a month after you started the Facebook page.
2: Yeah, it was like it was so crazy. So the detective from the Amy Machalevic case came out and talked to me. I don't know. It's probably been like maybe four years ago now.
3: Which one I want to say it? maybe four. Me. Um.
2: Yeah you know, interviewed me just to see if there was any correlation or anything between Angie and Amy's case, just trying to, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. And then, like, I had explained to him, you know, Amy's case has always been out on the forefront. And, like, her family's kept it out there. The media's kept it out there. And I'm like, do you know? And I, and I felt totally defeated and frustrated as far as, like, when he left because I just told him, I was like, you know, I have tried to – call the police station once a year. Like, I go to the newspaper on her anniversaries. Like, I keep trying to, like, get everything to keep her story out there. And my frustration was, is yeah, Amy was, you know, 12 years old. You know, she was a young girl, but I feel like because she, her, her family were, like, maybe a little bit better off. Angie's mom was a single mother. You know what I mean? I just feel yeah, like I, I her story wasn't out there you. the same as, like, Amy's was. And I'm like, you know, what do I have to do, you know, because she matters too. You know what I mean? They both matter. I felt a little defeated, like, after he left. But I was I was glad I was able to talk to him and give him any insight I had to, like, as far as whatever, about, you know, what I thought about Amy's case or whatnot. Then, uh, like I said, you know, time had went on. And I, because over the years, like, I have a stack of papers where I have went went out and i have searched him i have followed him to the end of the earth where he's lived who he's been married to everything really? about him because yes the police kept telling me we we don't have enough evidence we need something you know we need something to happen to bring it to light like there has to be something so i would track him on what city he lived in google any of his words anything he'd been arrested for everything and that's been wow. over this time span that I've done. So I knew where he lived. I knew his address. I know businesses that he owned. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You were you kind of <laughs> just were trying to list. do, like, yeah, well, trying to figure out, like, something that would bring to light if he had been in any trouble with anything else that was the same, you know, to bring it, you know, bring it back up. For probably a year and a half, like I took a break on it because I was just like I just like I said, I was feeling like defeated about it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the Amy Mahalovic Lake Erie murder thing, and then all of a sudden I see the same detective that you know was at my house on TV, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's what's his name, you know. And mm-hmm. then uh, Angie's thing comes on the screen, and I just start crying. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about it. I just started crying because I was just so happy. Like her face was back out there again. You know what I mean? And so uh, then I, uh, then like after that, it might've been a day or two days later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make her Facebook page. Like, like I, I got to get this back out there again. Like I can't stop. Yeah. You know, I don't even think it was a week later. And uh, my mom calls me from Florida cause I hadn't watched the news that day. And, She's like, Nikki, they got him, they got him. And I'm like, they got who? She's like, they got Sam. And I'm like, for what? She's like, he's killed all these women, honey. He's going <laughs> to go to jail. And I'm just like, what are you even talking about? And I just started screaming. My husband comes in here and my son comes in here. They're like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, next thing I know, there's a knock at my door. It's a reporter from Channel 5. And I'm just like... You know, she had to fill me in on what was going on because I was trying to, like, Google the news to try to see even what was going on. Yeah, she filled me in, and I'm just like, you know, I was just, like, so off guard to think, you know what I mean? Like, everything, like, they said that he did and everything. I mean, I'm not, I can't say that I'm surprised. I really can't. Yeah. But I mean just so caught off guard cuz I'm like, man, I followed this guy, like I tracked his records, like how come nothing showed up? Nothing showed up besides, you know, him trying to pick up a prostitute or, you know, that type of stuff or speeding violations or just so yeah, I was like, wow. And then the wait, and then the wait started, you know. It's it's
3: unbelievable that but I'll say that one thing about what the judge said is that we're going to make him competent. <laughs> and I'll say that at least is a somewhat comforting thought, knowing that, they'll, yeah. you know, it's not like the old days where you could just claim incompetency and live the rest of your life in an asylum. It's just going to take time. And unfortunately, like you, like you just stated, it's the waiting game. But we know, I mean, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'll ask you. Do you think he killed Angela?
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I've always thought yeah. that. I've always thought yeah. it.
3: Now, did you, When that day when you went to his apartment, to their apartment, did you get any weird, I mean, was, or was he just completely normal?
2: Everything was in order. There wasn't a mess in a room or anything like that. Um, he was there for a minute, but he left.
3: Mm.
2: He didn't stay. He left.
3: Uh-huh. There you go. Okay. So,
2: yeah, because my mom took me over there to look around to see if I, like, noticed anything. And I think by the time mm. I came back downstairs, he was already gone. I don't remember what his reasoning was for it or whatever. But he, like I said, it was a very brief now, you said encounter that, that I've seen him.
3: You still are in contact with her mother? Yep. So I'm assuming that all of you have, are feeling... Good at this point, but you're waiting for the slow wheels of justice to actually yeah. go again, right? So in the meantime, do you feel like she's getting? I mean, they got. There was a lot of talk about it when he was arrested, and a lot of talk about the connection to Angela's case. Do you feel somewhat vindicated that she is now getting that attention?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. You know, and like I said, and I've always said like at one point I was like, you know, I don't even care if he gets convicted. I want him charged because I know he killed her. Like we know he killed her. Like I just mm-hmm. want him to have to sit in front of a judge and be charged with her fu- freaking murder because I you know what I mean? Like yeah, just indict him on it. Like I want you know what I mean? Like I want him indicted. I I want him to have to answer. You know what I mean?
3: The guilt feeling survivor survivor's guilt basically is what she's feeling and and the fact that she brought him into this, into her life. Yeah. I mean, you read the way that she's portrayed in some of these articles is it's almost like she, she, she was naive in think in bringing this man into their, into their world, but how was she supposed to know she was only 28 and
2: yeah, yeah. what would she you was, say to that? I mean, she,
3: I, I mean, would you say that, I mean, you said she's, she's been torn up over it for years. I mean, that's, and she's finally yeah. now come to come to grips with
2: Yeah, I mean like I said, I mean she she's been alone since, you know, she doesn't trust people. She just, you know what I mean, it's it's really Hard. sad. I mean, like I said, Angie was her only child and, you know, they were good friends. They did everything together, you know, growing up. You know what I mean because her age when she had her, so
3: Sure. I mean, they probably were she, spent more time together than the average mother-daughter.
2: Right. And, I mean, situation. she was honest with her mom. You know, her and her mom had a relationship where, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, you know, I can't believe her mom would do that. I mean, Angie smoked cigarettes, and her mom caught her smoking cigarettes. You know, she was a teenager, and her mom said, if you're going to smoke, you know, or whatever then you're going to do it responsibly because I don't want you catching something on fire, trying to sneak something or whatever. She goes, I know I can't be around you all the time and I'm not going to stop you if you're going to do it. And I don't like it, but you know, I don't want you burning something down or sneaking. Like I want you to be honest with me about it. Sure. But I mean, that was the type of relationship that they had that Angie could tell her mother that, and she wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, no, you know like if she, she's going to do it, then... right, and and that was the type of relationship that they had.
3: Was there anything that, you know, do you think Sam did anything to Angela, like in that time span, or do you, you think know she would have shared that shared that with you?
2: I I really there was <clears throat> there was one incident that summer when I had spent the night over there. It was summertime, so it was hot, so. Angie only had like a twin day bed, so we would pull a blanket on the floor and lay down and go to sleep and so we would be in a t shirt and underwear and one night we lay down on the on the floor and uh when we woke up, the bedroom door was open, and you know we're laying there, you know our butts are all hanging out because you know it's just we just have t- shirts and underpants on like on the floor, you know. Mm-hmm. It's hot. And, and, and um, Nancy had gotten up and she had said something because the door was wide open. And she said, Hey, guys, you know, keep this door shut. You know, you guys' butts are all hanging out. But we didn't think anything of it because I don't remember if I went up, got up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night or Angie did or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. So that, that was one thing that had happened. And like I said, like, I just, I don't know. I don't, one of us could have gotten up and go to the bathroom. But that was one thing that did happen, you know what I mean. So I don't know if he had I mean, opened the door, you know what I mean, or or what. Yeah, yeah. So you thought, I mean, he always
3: felt like he was a little creepy.
2: Yeah, I there was always something off about him. Like I don't I don't know what, and um, I do believe if something he would have done something with her previously or tried something. I do believe she would have told me because when I was younger, I had something happen to me. I was abused, and Angie knew all this, so she knew. You know what I had been through, so I really wholeheartedly feel like she would have. She would have said something to me, like you know what I mean. She would have came to me Mm -hmm. or said, "Hey," about it, because she knew like my history. So. So that's the only reason yeah. why, the main reason why I don't really think that anything happened to her previously. Gotcha.
3: Yeah, that's, I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry this yeah. all happened. I mean, this is this yeah. is a tragedy, tragedy all around. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah def-
2: I mean, definitely.
3: But hopefully, you know, with the right medication <clears throat> and an indictment, you can, you know.
2: Well, and that's and the thing, that's though, that, too. They say, like, he's refusing his medication, and it's like... Okay, so he's competent enough to refuse his medication, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right?
2: Like, come on.
3: It's, it's such a such a gray area, and uh, you know they 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 medicate mass shooters. They should be able to medic- medicate uh, a serial killer. I mean, this is it's ridiculous.
2: And I feel I felt sorry for you know the other families though too, and I know at one time they had said something about well. You know, they didn't know for sure, like, what was going on with Angie's case. They, it was reopened. They were reinvestigating it, you know, that maybe the cases would all be, like, looped together or something like that at some point in time. And I was just like, like, I don't really agree with that because some of those other ladies' families, like, they didn't even know they were dead. You know what I mean? Like, they were unidentified
3: for Jane does.
2: 15 years. And, like, their family deserves justice, too. Like, they were people. They have a name. Those women need their their time, too. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: I think everybody deserves justice, especially when something as violent as a murder occurs. And every family deserves closure. I mean, I use the word closure, but, you know, it's not closure. It's just closing a chapter, I guess is really all you're doing because right. it's going to forever be a part of your life. Right. So, I mean, do you have any final thoughts on, you know, who Angela was as a person or what people should know about her? Like any, I don't know, anything um, like the type of person that she was as far as.
2: It's uh really funny She always liked to make jokes about stuff. Um, You know, she loved animals, like dogs, cats, bunnies. I mean, she had so many different animals, ferrets, things over the years. She loved animals, and she probably would have had to do something with being a veterinarian or something to do with animals, I think. She played basketball, and she was a cheerleader, and she did good in school. She made good grades. She was smart.
3: Yeah, she would have probably been super successful.
2: Yeah, I I really believe so.
3: Well, I am, again, I'm sorry that you had to experience this, have had to, and continue to have to experience this without any resolution, and uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, though.
2: Sure, no worries. Be, being honest. Yeah, and I appreciate you uh, helping keeping her name on the forefront and, you know, all that, and doing what you do to... You know, ensure people's family gets some sort of justice out of, you know, things that happen in the world because it matters there's a lot to, of bad. You know, the family.
3: Yeah, and there are a lot of bad people out there, and uh, there's a lot of families that need closure or resolution. So they try to provide a platform to present the stories that seem to have been a little bit forgotten over the years. And I just hope that there will one day be a resolution with. Angela and Sam and uh you can uh keep the Facebook page going and have all your happy memories.
2: Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. And
3: know and know that you've done a a good thing and continue to do a good thing. I appreciate you uh joining me.
2: Yeah, sure.
3: But yeah, I appreciate you getting back to me so fast and again doing doing what you do. It's, it's great. Thank you.
2: But, you know, there's things about her case, like, even that I've watched and, like, afterwards, like, I've thought, like, I know, like, with Angie's case and, like, things that the kids said that didn't really know her that well Mm -hmm. about, like, seeing her. And sometimes kids want to please people. So they might tell adults, oh, well, this or this or that. So sometimes I worry, like, hopefully, like, that Uh, isn't what went on in her case and they didn't misdirect them, like, about the phone call and, you know all those things, and it's just like, well,
3: you just and don't that's know actually either. Something that I I actually asked, I interviewed Spetzel, Chief Spetzel, who was the person who talked to Amy's class that day, and I asked him about that. I'm like, is it possible that we've been following some just mysterious made up lead for twenty years? Yeah, and or it wasn't just a kind
2: of opportunity.
3: Yeah, and and now this is what his response was. It was that the two kids who gave the story were two totally different groups of friends, and there was no possible way that they... This is what T told me. There was no way that they would have been able to communicate with one another to have this nearly identical story about a phone caller. So that's the only thing that I will say that gives me a little, a little hope, but it is absolutely something yeah. that you should be concerned about. Cause I mean, kids do want attention. Every kid wants attention. I think the phone calls well, and, in North Olmstead are BS in my opinion. I think those yeah. are all kids who wanted to be just a part of the story.
2: Right. And they think they're helping, but they don't realize that that's when they start building a case upon, based upon that information that it can be hindering you know, what could, what really went on or something like that, you know?
3: What what do they always say? It's like that it narrows the focus and they put blinders on and forget about everything else. So.
2: Yeah. And like I said, that's kind of like what happened in Angie's case. You know what I mean? People were saying, Oh, we've seen her, you know, they're she's saying runaway, that, she's course, teenagers say that, yeah, that she was there. And I'm like, why are you listening to those people? Like they don't know her. Like, yeah, you know I know I mean, her. You like, I have wasn't been, there. You should have
3: been like you should have been like in the cars with the police officers and been like, "This is where she would be. This is what would have been going on. This is what we would have done." Yeah, they should have interrogated you for like two days.
2: Not like yeah. A, like, I mean they they did they did question it, me a lot, but it was stuff about you know oh you know was it true you guys was drinking wine coolers this one time and just stuff like I felt it was like trying to put her in a bad light. Like she was like a delinquent. And I'm like, yeah. No, she is not a delinquent. She's a teenager, just like everybody else. She's not a delinquent.
3: Kids do I mean I trust me, if if I was held to the things that I did when I was fourteen. Oh in this day and age.
2: Yeah. No. Exactly. so so I like I said, as far as Amy's case goes, and I you know, I had even You know, people have even asked me, like, after the fact of everything came out about Sam. Like, Sam it does have affiliation with Ashland County. He did have friends that lived down Ashland County.
3: That is interesting.
2: I mean, I don't know. I think he was driving tow truck at the time. That would have been before he met Nancy. But he, you know what I mean? I wouldn't totally count him out, I would probably definitely look into where his whereabouts were.
1: I mean, yeah. because
2: if he was driving for a AAA tow truck place in the area, yeah. you know, he could have got a call. I don't know what their jurisdiction, if he could have been called out to that, you know, it's really not that far from here.
3: No, no, um,
2: it's not. You know what I mean? No, it's I not in- unrealistic.
3: No, I live in Rocky River, so I I know exactly that.
2: At the time, I mean... I don't know. He would have been young. He'd have been 19 or 19 or 20 years old. But doesn't mean that he couldn't have been doing, you know, doing it back then. You know, I mean, I have always thought that, like, Angie was his first just because, like, he got away with it and he knew it. So he just thought once he got away with it, he was smarter than everybody else. And he just. You know what I mean?
3: Well, I mean, if you if you look at it from that perspective you could also say that Amy could have been his first because he got away with that. Right. And right. The connections to Ashland County and the fact that he had, a, yeah, I mean, being a tow truck driver, you pretty much, nobody's looking twice at a tow truck driver. That's right. Kind of like one of the things that, you know, it's like food delivery trucks and stuff like that. You don't, they're just kind of like they're airplanes. You don't take them into account anymore.
2: Right. So because not, they're everywhere.
3: Yeah. So that's interesting.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, and I mean, like when I had talked to the detective, obviously, like in the beginning, like a couple of years ago, you know, I didn't think there was like any correlation between him and Angie's case because, you know, we just went over specifics if they, if they maybe had crossed paths at some point. You know what I mean? Basically, you know, I couldn't find anything that I thought maybe they would have met each other at one point in time or, you know, anything like that that would you know, put them together. Right. Or anything that they would ha- you know, have in common as far as anything like that. And uh but, you know, like I said, after everything came out about Sam and the other stuff, then it's like, well you never yeah, know the devil
3: you know the devil you know is usually the devil in your backyard or whatever the expression is. Something like that. Yeah,
2: that's for sure. But you know, I guess you know they probably have a idea of who they think it is, or
3: yeah, that one's whatnot, still but still, still a mystery. And I, I hate it because the end up in this holding pattern where you just kind of have to wait for technology or information to
2: to catch up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if it was him, they do have his DNA. So if they've got partial. You know what I mean? (laughs) On her end or something, then then I think maybe it probably would have shown that there was some correlation, I would think.
3: Right. Right.
2: Maybe. So, I don't know if they thought to even run it. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I mean, I know that they have a a very minimal amount of DNA, so that what I'm under the impression is that if they used it to test one person, it would basically eliminate all the opportunities in the future. So they're doing their best to wait for technology that won't eliminate all of what they have and they can, yeah, you know, cause it's one of those do things that
2: the testing that they need to do.
3: Yeah. They want yeah, to, they kind of want to know before they, but again, yeah. it's just like Angela's case, 30, one years later, you know, 30 years, it's, it's hard to imagine.
2: I don't know what all evidence they have in her case and stuff. I know I used to call down there, you know, and they would be watching the forensic stuff and I'd be like, I know you have evidence. Like there's gotta be something you can test, you know? <laughs> and they would be like, well, there's not anything. And then there was like, there wasn't funding. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Like. You know, it was always like, well, we have to get, you know, something else, basically. So, so I don't know. I don't know what all they have as far as her case goes, but. Yeah, but it's just, they're both tragedies
3: and they're both communities that are still stuck in that pattern because there hasn't been any resolution. So it's unfortunate for, for you and for her mom and her dad and, uh, you know, just basically everybody that. Newer, knew her. You know, it's a tragedy.
2: Yeah.
3: Sure. I'm sorry that you had to go through this.
2: Sure. Have a good day.
3: Thank you. You as well.
2: Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Nikki Myers for taking time out of her busy schedule to join me this week to discuss the case of Angela Hicks. Her Facebook page is titled Angela Hicks, 1990. Unsolved murder, not forgotten. There are a lot of great pictures of Angela growing up, and a lot of, you know, happy times. And thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in this week. As a reminder, I drop new episodes of Who Killed Every Friday wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I will be dropping a new season of my Passion Case eventually. So look for new episodes on Tuesdays once the new season launches. Anyone with information about Angie Hicks' murder is encouraged to contact the Lyria Police Department tip line at 440 440- three two two seven two six four as always if you enjoy this podcast and my other shows you can help support the shows directly by clicking on the link in the show notes or you can also contribute to the show via the venmo app with my username at bill huffman three every contribution big or small helps keep these slow burn podcasts running You can also help support the show by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Again, those five stars do help keep the cases that I cover in the spotlight. Now, if you'd like to stay up to date on the cases that I have covered, as well as the new cases I have coming in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Nikki Myers for taking time out of her schedule. And until next time...
2: Come play with us.